You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Awesome. Well, welcome to Grace. My name is Ricky. I serve as one of the pastors here at Grace, and if this is your first time, welcome. If we haven't gotten to meet, hopefully we'll get to meet if you're fairly new to Grace. So grateful to be able to preach this morning, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 16 this morning. So let's just go ahead and jump in. How about it? Let's go ahead and jump in. So as is our custom, if you all stand, we're going to read from God's Word. A little bit up and down this morning. It's good for us. We're going to read Psalm 16. Hear the word of the Lord. A mictum of David. Verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night and instructs, and also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy one see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So one of my family's favorite Christmas traditions is that April, my wife, she gathers all of our Christmas books, and it's a lot of Christmas books. We have tons of books in our house. If you've ever been to our house, we have one shelf downstairs. That's just a sneak peek. Our upstairs, we have a whole wall full of books, tons of books, and we have bukus of Christmas books. So April, every December, she will go up and she'll grab all of the Christmas books, bring them downstairs, and she'll wrap every single book. And she puts them in a basket in our living room. And then our kids, at least the youngest ones, each day leading up to Christmas, they get to open a book. And then April will read them that Christmas book that day. And it's, it's wonderful to see them open these books every day. As they, as they open them, we get to experience again the excitement and to just the nostalgia of once again discovering one of our favorites that we haven't gotten to read through in the past year. I love this tradition. So I brought a book this morning. And I need one kid to come up and open this book for me. Is there a kid who will come up and open this book for me? I'm sorry, Scott. You're not... Nash is coming. Come on, Nash. Come on, Nash. All right, Nash, we're not going to open this grandma style. No offense to grandmas. Anyway, I need you to open this thing, man, like you mean it. All right, here's a disclaimer. You don't get to keep this book. All right, this is my book. It goes back on my shelf. But you can take it and look at it throughout the service. Does that sound good? All right, open it up, Nash. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got here. Rip it, man. I know Nash. There we go. Rip it. 
I'm already thinking I need to pick up this trash. I'm the, I'm the trash collector on Christmas Day. I have the trash bag. I've got some other trash collectors, I'm sure. Just can't handle the trash on the floor. Man, April wrapped this thing. Well, oh, there we go. All right, there it is. All right, hold it up for everyone to see. Hold it up. Can you see? Okay. All right, Nash, you can go look through that. You can go look, look through that book if you want. So, all right, go for it. All right, here we go. Ellis, got a present for you. All right, I hit, it. I hit Owen instead. I was trying to get it to you. Okay, so did, did you guys get a, get a look at that book? All right, if you don't know the book, it's called Carl's Christmas. Carl's Christmas. It's one of our favorites. It's by a lady named Alexandra Day, Carl's Christmas. I love Carl's Christmas. How many of you have read Carl's Christmas? Okay, I see some hands. All right, good. I see some hands. It's kind of hard to see out here, but I see some hands. I love this book for a few different reasons. I enjoy it because it's got such peaceful illustrations. Here's just a few illustrations. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that up. It's, uh, I think it's, I counted, it's like 30-something pages. Uh, beautiful book. Another reason I love the book, there's only two sentences in the whole book. You know, it's one of those kids, it's like 10, one of those nights, it's 10 o'clock, you're like, grab Carl's Christmas. <laughs> it's going to be a quick one. Because usually the later the night is, the bigger the book they choose. That's how, that's how it goes. Parents know how that, how that works. Carl's Christmas. Let's, let's read it real quick. So the first page has two lines, the only two lines in the whole book. It's the parents saying this to Carl. If Carl, if you don't know, is a, is a Rottweiler. Okay, so uh, Carl, they look at Carl and they say, we're going to grandma's and then to church. Take good care of the baby, Carl. That's it. And then you begin flipping through the pictures. Now, clearly, Carl is a responsible, sweet, mature Rottweiler. He's trustworthy enough for his parents to leave their baby with him for the night. Carl, he brings the picture, I mean, the baby downstairs. Carl and the baby wrap a present together. It's the most beautiful tree. Sorry, I'm spitting here. Most beautiful tree. There's colored lights on the tree, which I love, colored lights on the tree. Anyone else with me? Usually it's the guys and the girls are down. Maybe it's just my house. Me and all the boys, we love, we love colored lights. Beautiful illustrations. They wrap a present, and then, then Carl and the baby go out shopping. And they, they join in with some carolers. They come back home. They build a fire. They fall asleep on the floor. Of course, Carl wakes up whenever Santa arrives. Carl helps send Santa back up the chimney. He gets the baby tucked into bed, book ends. Parents never return. It's an outstanding book. Now, how in the world can parents entrusting their baby to a full-grown Rottweiler be a peaceful story? But here I am telling you, it's one of the most peaceful stories. I love this story because the parents, they're just joyfully content to leave their baby with this Carl. The baby is completely content to be left with a Rottweiler. And Carl, he's completely content to serve as nanny for this baby. Apparently, Carl does this a lot because Carl, he does a lot of things. You've looked at all of his different books. But it's also clearly not a true story, okay? I wouldn't be saying it's peaceful if it's a true story because it wouldn't play out quite this way. But it's peaceful because the parents, they just don't have a worry in the world. So whenever we open up Carl's Christmas, we step out of our rational world and we step into Carl's home where the tree has colored lights, where dogs take children out caroling, and where the dog helps Santa get back up the chimney. We find that Carl, he has everything under control in Carl's fictitious world. And children hear this story, and they don't ask a question at all. 
But now parents, the first time we read this story, first time I read this story, my, my head was filled with all kinds of questions, glaring questions, like what in the world are the baby's parents doing? Like what are they thinking here? The children, they just enjoy the story. No questions, just take it for what it is, they enjoy it. And after my first reading, I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop asking the questions. And I'm just going to step into Carl's world, and I'm going to enjoy this story. And it's actually a peaceful one. In the world of the Bible, and in our world here, we don't find such peaceful stories. Because the Bible's real life. Carl's world's not real life. It hasn't been affected by sin. Dogs don't sing carols in real life, if you didn't know. Dogs don't help Santa back up the chimney. We all know parents help Santa back up the chimney, of course. Not Carl. It's not reality. This morning in Psalm 16, we're going to see that David, he shows us how our story can, in fact, be a peaceful, joyful story, one full of joyful contentment. Whenever we read Psalm 16, David's going to show us that we can be joyfully content in this real-life world. David, whenever he pens this psalm, he doesn't hold back, as, as David never holds back. And I love it. He never holds back when telling his need for God and showing his dependence on God. And David, as he writes the 16th Psalm, he declares all the benefits that he receives through the life that he is living, committed to God in his ways. And I want you to know this morning that joyful contentment comes for you and me only through commitment to God in all aspects of life. I'll say that again. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life. So we're now going to work our way back through Psalm 16. We're going to go verse by verse, a couple of verses at a time, and we're going to see how this joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of our life. So again, hear the word of the Lord, Psalm chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. When this psalm opens up, I love that it just opens up with, preserve me, O God. Preserve me, O God. Even though David's opening up with this, what might sound like a desperate tone, this is not a psalm that has a desperate tone. It's not a psalm of lament. We're going to see Psalm 16 is actually a psalm of confidence. You might recall that David before, he was a shepherd, right? David was a shepherd. He knows a bit about caring for the vulnerable. And again, I love how David, he's never shy about admitting his vulnerability here. And David begins this psalm in verse 1, just immediately pinning his dependence on God for safety. Right here in verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Right out of the gate, David leads us down the path that he travels for joyful contentment. David's saying, you want to know how to live a life in joyful contentment? Follow me on this path. How do you stay on this path? David's going to show us, and he's going to explain to us, declare to us all the benefits. He stays on course by being completely dependent on God. 
all the way. We know David was a shepherd, but we also know, if you think back, David was also quite a warrior. He was a brawler. If you remember David when he was a teenager, what did he do? He went out and he slayed a giant. What else did David do? David was an officer in Saul's army. I don't know if you remember what they said about David and what they said about Saul, but they said, they said Saul, he struck down his thousands. But David, he struck down his ten thousands. This is quite a man. And yet the first word he writes is, preserve me, oh God, for in you I take refuge. Man, I love how completely dependent this man is on God. And I love how being completely dependent on God isn't for cowards. You hear me? Being completely dependent on God, man, that's not for cowards. It takes courage. It takes courage to be completely dependent on God. And David is showing us here, recording for us, making sure we know, forget about what he's done, and know this, he is completely dependent on God for his safety, completely dependent on God for everything, so much so that David says, I have no good apart from you. Being completely dependent on God causes joyful contentment in all aspects of life. Maybe you're coming in this morning like, Ricky, man, I, I'm feeling many things this season, but the one thing I'm not feeling is joyful contentment. If so, then may I ask you right now to consider where does your dependence lie? If you don't feel joyful contentment, at times, remember, we have to work to stay on the, stay on the path a bit to remind ourselves of our dependence on God because that is the way to joyful contentment. Might our dependence be on the paycheck? Might our dependence be on what's around under the tree or maybe who's around the table? Where does our dependence lie? Because David, he shows us there's only one way to have joyful contentment, and that is to be completely dependent on God. That is the only way in which we can rightfully relate to God. Complete all out. Forget what I've done. Preserve me, O God. For in you, I take refuge. Is there something good you're trying to do or trying to earn based on what you can do and how hard you can work, completely separate from God? If so, then yes, discontentment will be your lot. But let me tell you, there is a way to completely warp over discontentment in this life. David's showing us right out of the gate. David's not saying you need to work harder and you need to be better. That's the answer to fill up what is missing inside. And that's the way to get what you think you need. No, David's saying don't work harder. No, don't try to be better. Just be completely dependent on God. Man, where else will you hear such a message other than the church? Guys, don't, don't try harder. Stop trying to be better. Instead, completely give up. Well, that's something I might have a chance of achieving. Nothing. Giving up and being completely dependent on God. 
Man, if you haven't done it before, it is so nice to be able to throw the weight off of your shoulders, the weight of expectations, and to say with David, preserve me, O God. In you, I take refuge. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Joyful contentment, it comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life, as David's going to show us. And it begins with complete dependence on God. Here, verses 3 and 4. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. I love, too, David's not a man. He shows his feeling, his care for one another. Verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. This morning, can we say with Daniel, with David, can we say with David that, man, we delight in his saints? That's who my delight's in, other Christians. Can we, can we say that? They want a wreath. It happens from time to time. Simply, do you delight in your relationship with other Christians? I'm not saying you can't interact with unbelievers. I mean, we, we should. You know this. We should interact with unbelievers. I mean, clearly. But in whom do you delight? Do you delight with, in your time with unbelievers or delight in your time with the saints? Those who love God will most love being in the company of others who love God. Because those who love God will finally, their relationship can only go so deep with others who do not love God. Maybe you're not content in your relationships. David is showing us the way to be content, joyfully content in our relationships. He's saying, watch out, because those who, those who don't know God, they are running after things to satisfy them trying to put them in the place of God, these, these, these idols, and they'll find that they never satisfy. I'm sure all of us can attest to that at some level or another. We have done the same. We all know that only one will satisfy, and that is God. And if you have yet to determine that, then one day I pray that you will, maybe even today. Because if you're putting your hope in satis being satisfied in, in, in a gadget, maybe what's going to be under the tree, you're going to find one day you're going to just be obsolete. If, if you're finding that your satisfaction you think is in a relationship, one day you're going to find out it didn't satisfy. Even if you get that relationship, you're going to be left feeling lonely. If you desire to have a certain amount of money because you think then the hole's going to be filled, I'm going to be set, I'm not going to worry, I'll be satisfied, you're going to find out that you're going to constantly feel like you've overdrawn. You'll never be satisfied. David doesn't want to play that game. He knows. He's telling us the way to joyful contentment, when it comes to your relationships, pay attention who you're spending your time with. Because those who don't love God, they go after things that will distract and will pull you away from what God has for you. David, he doesn't want to play with those friends in that casino because David knows that the house always wins whenever you're playing the world's game and playing for the world's prizes. You're never going to win. David's telling us that commitment to God in our relationships calls joyful contentment in our relationships with others. 
David's like, man, I'm joyfully content. And one of the ways is that I delight in the saints. With whom do you delight? Who are your friends? Some here this morning may need to shift their time a bit from some friends towards some saints in the land, the excellent ones, the ones whom David says, in them is all my delight. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life, including our relationships with others. Let's look at our next two verses. Verses five and six. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, I don't want to give away any personal information here, but, but this past week, we had a lady on our staff who had, who had a birthday. So you, you have an option of two to pick from. <laughs> I had a birthday this week. And I heard her say something that I've heard many a mama say over the years. Someone had asked her, what is it you're going to do for your birthday tonight? And I, I didn't hear the complete answer, but I know I at least heard that I told my husband I just don't want to have to cook. Has anyone ever said that? I'm sure I know I've heard that said. I just told my husband I don't want to have to cook. So I knew I heard that. And if that's true, and if that's all that was said, then it's going to be hard for the husband to mess this one up because you just have to take her and the family out to eat. She just doesn't want to have to cook. Now, the guy's going to be in trouble if the lady didn't really mean that. And she's also hoping there will be a gift at the table also. But if she truly meant it, then she just doesn't want to have to cook. The husband, the husband takes her out to eat, takes the family out, and then mama's okay with whatever comes or whatever doesn't come. She just didn't want to have to cook. What David's telling us in verses 5 and 6, he said, I'm good. I'm good because I just didn't want to have to cook. Well, those weren't his words. But he's saying, all I want's the Lord. I, come what may. Or let it not come. I, I just want the Lord. I just want God and nothing else is expected. That's what, that's what David's saying. God is enough for me and I'm satisfied. David's saying, I'm joyfully content. God's all I want. Commitment to God and our desires calls this joyful contentment in what God provides. Commitment to God and our desires calls this joyful contentment in what God provides. All right, this is, this is not a serious question, but we know the answer here. If, if a genie were to appear to you and say you get three wishes... What's wish number one? I mean, this is like kindergarten. You learn this right off the bat. This might even be preschool level. Duh. I mean, infinite wishes. Number one, right? I mean, what's, what do you want? Infinite wishes. Game over. All right, we well, just keep going. That's what, that's what you want. But when it comes to your life, what is it you want? What is it, what is it you want? In our house, if you want something, the answer is typically in the pantry, Right? I have a lot of kids that want something. What is it going to be? They want food, okay? The, the answer is going to be there. Whatever they need, whatever they want, typically it's these double doors right there in our kitchen. That's where it is. That's what we need. That's what we want, typically. 
How about in your life? The, the, the pantry of your life where you visit to get what you most want, where you visit to satisfy what you most need, and you open those doors, what is it you're reaching for? What is it you make sure is always there? Is it housing? Is it health? Is it food? Is it a savings account? If God is on the main shelf, eye level, of the must-haves in your pantry of life, then you'll find that you will never feel deficient in any area because God is all-sufficient. I just want God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying God's going to miraculously pay your light bill. Now, he, he, he can. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that God's going to miraculously cause your furnace that's broken to jumpstart. He may. But I am saying that Christians who desire God above all else have what they desire. They have God. And when you have God, you won't feel as if you are owed anything. I just want God. (laughs) That's all I want. That's all I need. And if that's all I have, I just want God. And man, if that's your desire then you will find that he is enough. And whenever you discover that, it's like the Lord just supercharges our heart and our mind. It's like he just injects us with Holy Spirit rocket fuel. And whenever this happens, we begin to feel invincible because we are. And we begin to see his grand plan of eternity unfold. And whether we have or whether we have not, whatever is around us in this world, if we have God, man, we know we're being propelled into a new reality where when we open our eyes, we see that we are able to enjoy a truly beautiful inheritance. Man, we're joyfully content. I just want God. But let me challenge you too to open your eyes. Thank God for what you do have. Enjoy it. No matter how small, no matter how little, no matter how much, no matter your circumstances, this is truly a couple of verses worth worth dwelling on in our world of discontentment, especially during the season for many of discontentment. What has God provided? Man, enjoy it. Thank him for it. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life, including what God provides. Verses 7 and 8. David says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I'll not be shaken. Now, do we have any fellow warriors in here? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for all of us, or for me and many others. You may be nudging someone. I, and I can't say I'm always a, a warrior, but I, I have my fair share for sure. And I find many times when something's on my heart and mind, I will sit and I will dwell on this thing and play it out and contemplate all day before I finally calm myself enough to take it before the Lord. You might say, Ricky, that's not really something you should admit as a preacher. (laughs) But I need the Bible as much as anyone else. 
which I've heard Brad say many times and I resonate with, man, when you're a week, you're preaching a text, you are just in that at a deeper level and it just works on you, which is part of the advantage of preaching a text. You get to wrestle with it at this deep level. I tell you, I'm by nature a dreamer. So problem, whatever it is, man, in my mind, I, I, I think about it. I daydream about it. And typically in my daydreams, maybe I'm the hero or I'm at least the solution to the problem most of the time until I come to the end of myself and I don't see how it's going to work out. At the end of the day, when I'm just so desperate and depleted, I finally take it to the Lord. Man, why do I do this? I'm sure I'm not the only one. We can learn from David. We can learn from David this morning. David says he praises the Lord who gives him counsel, both in day and night. Man, he's joyfully content here. He's joyfully content in where God has led him. And this is the key to being joyfully content in wherever the Lord may lead us or has led us. That is commitment to God in our plans causes joyful contentment in where God leads. And we committed to God whenever it comes to our plans. If so, then wherever he leads or wherever he has led, okay, okay. The neat thing is, man, we have access that David didn't have. I mean, we have access to who David didn't have access to and that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us as children of God. Not to mention we have the written word as well to guide us. Why would we, or better yet, why would I not tap into that and speak to the Lord all day, every day? Why not? As David did, says day and night, he was my counsel. Am I not content in my plans where God is leading me or where he has led me? How in step have I been in seeking him for counsel? If so, we will find that we will not be shaken. Man, talk, talk about VIP access. I mean, this just isn't access to God. He's available 24-7, but this is actually God within us 24-7. Why would we not seek his counsel? Do you do so? Do you acknowledge God in your plans? I wish I could say I always do. I eventually get to it. Oh, Lord, let me do it sooner. Commit to God in our plans. Commitment to God in our plans. Bring about joyful contentment in where God leads. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all specs of life, including our direction in life. Verses 9 and 10. Therefore, my heart is glad. David's kind of laid out all of this. He's laying it out. Man, his needs and how God just gives him these benefits. Therefore, my heart is glad, David says, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. You say not just inside, but even outside. Man, my flesh dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. Let me, let me remind us, I mean, remember Carl, it came no surprise to us that we don't live in Carl's world. We, 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 we know that Rottweilers can't take care of babies, but we do live in God's world. 
And David's saying it too can be peaceful. It too can be one of joyful contentedness. And you can trust him, not only now, but unto eternity. David did. We can too. David experienced joyful contentment in a chaotic world. We can too. David, David points out for us, he points out that this joyful contentment, again, is not just mental, but it's also physical. His heart's glad. His whole being rejoices. He says, even my flesh dwells securely through and through. Now, what's neat? The apostle Peter quotes Psalm 1610. All right, his sermon, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Peter says that David here is actually speaking about Jesus. Peter says, we know that David died, right? All right, we know that David was a shepherd. We know David was a warrior. We know many things about David. We know, we know his struggles, his ebb and flow in life. We know his vulnerability. And we also know that he died. Peter's saying, we know David died. We know he was buried. Surely his body would decay. As most translations say in verse 10, use the word decay. Paul also quotes David here. Paul quotes David in Acts chapter 13 when he's in Antioch, beginning with verse 35. Paul, Peter, he says, uh, I think David here is talking about Jesus. Paul says, because two, we know that David, he would die. We know that David's body too would decay. But whose body didn't decay? Jesus. How? How, how could Jesus' body not decay? Because he was resurrected. He was only in the grave for three days. Because Jesus never saw decay. But David these words here, I know he said them with faith. They brought him joy, and they too are reality. David's words here are typological. They're, they're transcending even his own experience and becoming historically true in Jesus. It's amazing what happens here. So how, how can David, though, think about this? David clearly before Jesus, we all know this. How can David have such confidence when he has no concept or no, no, no seeing of, of a resurrection of Jesus coming ahead. How, how can David claim this confidence? Because we read in verse 10 that we have a context for this. When we read verse 10, we're like, oh yeah, Jesus, resurrection. Yeah, we see this. Not so when David would have penned these words. But we live on this side of the resurrection. We read this and we can know what even David didn't. So then how could David have such joyful confidence? This is how. And he invites us to have such joyful confidence as well. Dare to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Dare to trust God so much so, even when it doesn't make sense. David, he had the audacity to even claim that God wouldn't betray him in the grave. What faith David had. Commitment to God to the end. All the way to the end causes joyful contentment when it comes to our eternal security. Trust God. 
even when it doesn't make sense. Death poses no threat to the Christian. Man, it's, it's great. It's like this invincible. I love like, I don't care for superhero movies, but I understand the idea of superhero movies because there's this desire. In a way, there is this, there is this truthfulness of this supernatural living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And that we can't be defeated, truly. That even whenever our body takes its last breath, it our fellowship, our relationship with God doesn't cease to exist. We can confidently say with David that our souls will not be abandoned to the grave. No. Our bodies will not be abandoned to the grave and to decay. Why? Because of the doctrine of resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 tells us that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life, including our eternal security. Our last verse, verse 11. David says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Dane Ortland writes in the ESV devotional Psalter, it's entitled, In God I Take Refuge. He writes this. Have you tasted this? Have you been freed from the endless quest to secure stability and joy in the things of this world? Have you been ushered into the invincibility of knowing that no matter what you lose, in terms of your health, finances, marriage, children, job, emotional sanity, the Lord is your ever-present refuge in life. Have you tasted this? And then Nortland goes on to, to quote pastor and theologian Jonathan Edwards to capture the joyful contentment of this psalm whenever Jonathan Edwards wrote in a sermon this. The heart of a godly man doth freely choose God in Christ for his portion. Take away all torment and set hell aside and he could and might have his choice and he would choose God rather than anything else. If the godly man might have his choice either to live always in this world, in the enjoyment of all manner of worldly prosperity, or else in God's time die and go to heaven to dwell forever there in the enjoyment of God and Jesus Christ, he would choose the latter. Would we? Here, I believe, is the key to joyful contentment in a life lived committed to God. This is it. A life committed to God is a life lived in the enjoyment of God's presence. David was aware. Whether it's my friendships, whether it's my plans, whether it's my life, whether it's my death, in all things, I just want God. The presence of God is enough. That's what he enjoyed. And therefore, he had a joyfully content 
life when he penned Psalm 16 so that we can read this morning and we too can see all the benefits of a life lived committed to God and how we get to enjoy its benefits. Enjoying God's presence, it causes joyful contentment now and forevermore. Enjoy God's presence. Do you enjoy God's presence above all else? David writes of God being at his side here in this psalm. And we know that God has, in fact, come to be with us. That's what we celebrate this season. Emmanuel, God with us through Jesus. And it's in his presence where you will find fullness of joy. Are you enjoying the presence of God or are you pushing him out in certain areas of your life? The way to joyful contentment is to be in the presence of God in all areas of your life. In Jesus, there's no layaway option. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to wait until you've earned enough so that then you can receive your rewards. No, it begins now, the fullness of joy now. There it is, right hand, forevermore. And these pleasures don't wear out. They don't grow old. These pleasures won't turn their back on you. If God is what you desire, if he is who you treasure, then there will be no end to the pleasures that he has for you. You don't have to wait either. You begin receiving them now. From now until forevermore. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> In Psalm 16, David, when he wrote, he showed us how we can be joyfully content in this real life world, no matter how chaotic it is, no matter what's under your tree, not under your tree, what's in your bank account, not in your bank account, no matter who's around your table or who's not around your table. Let us not hold back in showing our dependence on God. David didn't. He showed us, man, I depend on God in all of these things. Every single thing he depended on God and he received from God the benefits that can only be received through a life fully committed to God and his ways. Hear me this morning. Joyful contentment comes only through continued commitment to God in all aspects of life. Let us enjoy his presence now, now, and be joyfully content now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your presence. Father, may we taste and know that you are good. Father, satisfy us in only the ways you can. Should there be anyone here, Lord, who have yet to taste and see, Father, may they know the goodness of God and receive joyful contentment beginning now that will last them throughout all eternity. Father, for those of us who do believe, Father, help us. Lord, guide us, keep us, as I know you will, on the path. In your presence, completely dependent on you, we surrender ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina.
feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.